in here or is it just me welcome to the second episode of talking poker radio i'm your host robbie rob that opening track was courtesy of the forum's own math babe with a rather stirring rendition of peggy lee's 1958 hit fever i'd like to start out by saying thank you to everyone who has left suggestions and comments in the thread or sent me a message i'm having a lot of fun doing these and as i mentioned in the thread would really like to make this a weekly affair but to do that i'm going to need your help If you've got a mic, fire up a sound recording program and record something for the show. Every version of Windows has the built-in sound recorder and it will work just fine. However, a much better program is called Audacity, and best of all, it's free. It's available at audacity.sourceforge.net. Okay, enough geek speak, let's talk poker. News from the net. And things just keep getting worse for the final tableists of this year's WSOP main event. First... Jamie Gold is slapped with a lawsuit claiming he owes half of his $12 million win to a friend of his. This friend helped him find some stars to wear Bodog swag. I use the word stars loosely as all this guy was able to round up was Matthew Lillard and Dax Shepard. Is having the shaggy serial killer and the Prince of Punked worth six mil? I wouldn't think so, but I guess we'll see what the courts decide. More recently, 6th place finisher Richard Lee had his house in San Antonio, Texas, raided this week under suspicion of bookmaking. At the time of the recording, Mr. Lee has not been charged with anything and is not in jail, although it now appears as though San Antonio police have been investigating Lee and others for a period of time and seem to have some rather compelling evidence that he was indeed involved in the accusation. Police seized five Lexus automobiles, some plasma TVs, a money counter, and a shitload of cash, among other things. Five Lexus automobiles? Do they even make five different models? Dude, variety, it's the spice of life. Try it sometime. At least throw a Benzo or a Beamer in there. Next week, 
Look for Colorado police to detain and charge Alan Cunningham with the murder of John Benet Ramsey. There is one other thing I'd like to talk about before we turn the show over to poker stuff. Yesterday marked the end of Andre Agassi's 21-year tennis career. He fell in five sets to Benjamin Becker that afternoon. I was only 14 when Agassi started playing tennis, and, like millions of others, became instantly captivated by his splashy yellows and flamboyant pinks. Everyone has their sports idol growing up, often stretching into adulthood. After high school, I pretty much stopped following tennis, but Agassi was definitely my sports idol. Okay, let's talk about some poker. First up today, we've got our very first feature piece on strategy by none other than our very own Zybomb. Thank you very much, Rob. It's your boy Zybomb here, TP Radio, making the debut. My section here for TP Radio is going to be all about strategy. If there's something specific that you want to hear about or want to hear discussed, feel free to bring it up. Specific situations, types of players, etc., etc. I'll do my best to get it accommodated. Since this is the debut, I decided I was going to pick the first topic today. A while back, we were discussing common mistakes that players made beyond the beginner's mistakes. And one of the biggest ones is the one I'm going to discuss today. And that is not extracting as much money as possible with their winning hands. Now there's tons of different ways to do this. And I'm only going to be discussing one of those ways for this week. And that's slow playing. The decisions to play fast or to play slow. Remember the main idea when slow playing is to play a hand slow, faking weakness, so that an opponent will catch up and make a second best hand in which they'll eventually pay you off. Now, when very beginning players begin playing poker, they don't understand the concept of slow playing whatsoever. They flop a monster, they bet it out hard, and they lose a lot of bets because they don't allow their opponents to catch up when they should be. Once players get past that initial beginning stage, they learn about slow playing, and now they slow play anything and everything, even when it's not safe to do so. Things which are borderline, like flopping a set on a board with two of the same suit, for example, but also things that are outright ridiculous, like let's say having 7-8 on a 7-8-9 board with two clubs and three opponents. Eventually, players get to a point where they have a decent understanding of slow playing, when it's safe to and when it's not to. And they also probably know a thing or two about mixing up their play, slow playing in some situations while fast playing others in order to remain unpredictable. The issue, which is what we're going to be discussing today, is that after all this learning, players don't realize that many times slow playing is actually costing them chips because had they fast played, their opponent would have either called or raised their bet. Thus, the pot would have grown bigger, the bets on subsequent streets would have been larger, and their opponent is more likely to become pot committed. And that means you get his whole stack, which is the ultimate goal of any big hand. We're going to go over a basic example here and give a couple of different situations and see why slow playing could be detrimental to your game in some cases even when it's safe to do so. Now obviously this is going to be a little bit easier with visuals but there are none so you're going to have to just work with me here. In this example we're going to say you're the pre-flop raiser with two sevens in your hand and there's one caller. Alright so there's only two opponents in the hand and the flop comes a great flop for you. It comes ace, jack, seven, a rainbow. We'll say one diamond, one club, and one heart. So you hold 7-7 seven, seven in your hand, you've just flopped the bottom set, you 99% have the best hand right now, you're only behind ace-ace and jack-jack, which are pretty unlikely. So your first concern should be how can I get as much money 
as possible in the center. Now the board seems fairly safe as far as draws go. There's no flush draw present, I said it was a rainbow board, and there's only very specific straight draws, all of which are gut shots. You have a hand like king-queen, for example, a 10 will give it to you. King-10, a queen will give it to you, etc., etc. Pretty much this board is fairly safe, and you could surely check it and not be taking a big risk in doing so. But there's a problem with slow playing here. Remember what I told you in the beginning, what's the purpose of a slow play? purpose of a slow play is to fake weakness in hopes that an opponent will make a second best hand which is going to pay you off. In this case, how in the world is that going to happen? The only possibility would be if your opponent had a hand like maybe Jack-10 for example and a 10 came on the turn gave him a second pair, gave him a middle two pair. Maybe he pays you off now. Otherwise, chances are any one pair is going to be scared away by the ace because that's an overcard. And if your opponent has that ace, he's going to be calling or raising if you bet. Either for value or for information or, you know, to see where he stands. Maybe even he has ace-jack and then all the money gets in the center. In addition, there's also two high cards out there. There's the ace and the jack. And since players love playing high cards, chances are he's connected with this flop in some way. So even if he has just a jack, for example, he still might raise to see where he's at. To see if the ace scares you. So what we're going to do here is we're going to play this hand two different ways. The first way is going to be by slow playing, and the second way is going to be by fast playing. I'm also going to demonstrate how position is a key factor in this process, because I'm going to play the hand with position and without position, and we'll see how the two hands result. Now, for the first example, what we're going to do is we're going to be out of position, and we're going to slow play, and we're going to see how it results. I'm going to have to throw some numbers in here just to make the bets make a little sense here. We'll say you're playing with 100 and 200 blinds. You've raised those blinds to 600 preflop, and like I said, this was the only caller. So the flop comes down, the ace, jack, seven. Your first act, you slow play and check, and your opponent checks right behind you. Now the turn comes a ten of hearts, which means hands like king, queen, and eight, nine have just made their gut shot and they've just turned you with a straight. You're not really concerned about that because it's not highly likely. You check again, still slow playing. Now your opponent bites and he decides to bet 700. You choose to just call. The river comes, the two of diamonds, and you decide to lead out this time for a modest amount of 1,000, and your opponent decides to call. You flip over your set of sevens for the winner, and you net 1,700 chips on this pot. Now let's say if you had position here, in this case it probably wouldn't have made that big of a difference playing it the way you did. Your opponent would check, and you'd check behind him slow playing. The turn would come that ten of hearts. Again, a couple of straights now beat you. Your opponent takes his stab, leads out for 700. You choose to call. The river comes to two. Yeah, your opponent may lead out again, with hands like maybe ace-queen or ace-ten or stuff like that. If he's made a second pair, he's going to lead out again. But if not, he's probably just going to check and call whatever bet you make if he has a decent ace or maybe even if he has a jack. In this case, he does happen to check. You bet out 1,000 and he calls. You flip over the set of sevens. That's a winner. That was part one of Zybomb's slow play strategy. We'll return to the conclusion in just a moment. This month, TP has once again graciously decided to gift some members of the forum with some PokerStars money. 
Half of it has already been claimed, but the other half is up for vote. Many worthy people have been nominated, so you owe it to them to get out and vote. I already have an excellent idea of who I'm voting for, and no, it's not myself or Nikita either. That just wouldn't be right. The poll should be made available sometime today or tomorrow. Now, let's get back to Zybom as he looks at the benefits of fast playing this hand. Now, let's see what would have happened had you fast played here. The same flop, ace-jack-7 offsuit. You decide to fast play and you bet out 700 on this flop. Now, depending on your opponent, say he has a hand like ace-queen, he may call this bet or he may raise this bet for information and or for value. Either way, it's probably not going to matter. I'll, I'll show you why. Say he plays his hand like a complete calling station. You bet out 700, he's at thinking, I'm just flopping the top pair, good kicker, I'm not going anywhere. He calls your bet. The turn comes that 10 of hearts. Now this is an opportunity to check the turn if you think he's going to fire, and then you could raise him and get another bet out of him. The issue is, you show a lot of strength by making that move. Not nearly as much strength as you show by just continuing to bet. When you're betting, you could be betting on a bluff, you can be betting on a semi-bluff, you could be drawing... You could have a good hand that's not that good, you know, where if someone raises you, you're going to fold. Or you can have a great hand. When you pull a move like betting the flop, checking the turn, and then raising when your opponent bets, it screams, I have a monster. So while it is going to get that extra turn bet in for you, what it's not going to do is enable him to get a turn and a river bet called. So we're going to just continue to lay, to lead out, rather. We're putting him on a pretty decent sized hand here then he's probably going to pay us off. So we continue to lead out. We're going to lead out with 1,200. Again, your opponent is playing this hand like a calling station, so he calls again. The river comes to two of diamonds. You bet a very modest 1,500. Had we really known how much of a calling station our opponent is, we probably would have bet a little more, extracted some more money out of him. But our opponent calls. We flip over our set of sevens for the winner, and we just netted $3,400 from this pot, approximately double what we did by slow playing. Now, say our, our opponent raised for information at some point in this hand. Even if he played the hand very well at some point, it really wouldn't have been much different. For example, you bet 700, he makes a raise on the flop for information or for value to about 2,000. You just call. Now you slow down, you check the turn. He checks behind you, he senses something might be up. The river comes, you bet 1,500 on the river. There is no way he can fold to this bet. You could probably bet a lot more and still give him no way to fold. So, so that's minimum 3500 you've just extracted right here if he had raised. But you probably could have bet in 2000 and he has to call you with any ace. Maybe even 2500 Depending on the player, you could have bet the whole pot and he might have called. Who knows? Thing is here, you got at least double the amount that you got by slow playing. Now, same deal if you're in position. If you're in position, it's almost even better because rather than the turn action where both of you guys are going to check because you're not sure what's up, he's first to act on the turn. So, for example, he's going to check that flop and you fast play, bet out 700. He's going to check raise to 2,000. You decide to call. Now, on the turn, your opponent leads out for 2,400. He's pretty committed at this point. You could probably raise all in at this point and he probably has to call. Or even if you just call, he's going to probably check the river, and you're going to bet an amount that he can't fold to. So you're extracting maybe three or four times as much money as you would have by slow playing when you're in position by fast playing. Now, is there downsides to this? Of course there's downsides to this. I realize that in 
both cases, if your opponent missed the flop, by fast playing, you're not giving him a chance to catch up and pay off your set. However, the whole point of this strategy discussion today is to look at the textures of the flop. Look at this flop. It's very unlikely he's going to make a hand which is going to pay you off anyway. Either he's there already or he's not going to get there, chances are. Now remember, as the pre-flop raiser, one of the big advantages that you have is you get to dictate the size of the pot somewhat. You can decide whether you want to play for a big pot or if you want to play for a small pot. Because each bet that is raised or called by your opponent adds to the size of the pot, which means on the next streets, each bet is going to be that much larger. And it's that much more likely your opponent's going to become pot committed for his entire stack, which is what you want when you flop a big hand. Now, there's several other aspects of extracting as much money as you can, but that's not going to be discussed today. Maybe next week we'll go on to another one of these topics, such as betting correct amounts. Otherwise, the forum's open. Let's hear what you want to hear about. You know, make the requests. I'll do my best to get them taken care of. And like I said, if it's a topic that I don't have as much expert advice on as someone else does, I'll gladly pass the torch to them and let them do the segment. Now, Rob, you know I can't leave without doing at least one shameless plug. So here it is. No Limit Hold'em, The Lost Pages, everything the last book you read left out about No Limit Hold'em tournaments and cash games, my new ebook. Coming soon, as soon as we uh, clear up some editing problems, <coughs> TP. But uh, be on the lookout for that shortly. We've got tons of great topics and complex situations that are discussed in the book. Fantastic read. All right, shameless plug is over. Zybomb, TP Radio. Remember, leave the topics. I'll get at them as soon as I can. Thank you, Zybomb. That was a great piece on knowing when and when not to slow play your hand. I look forward to your next segment. You heard the man, people. The Lost Pages is coming out soon. You owe it to yourself to buy this ebook. I think it's time for some music, don't you? Let's hear another piece from Math Babe. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dust till dawn. You don't need no experience to turn me out. You just leave it all up to me I'll show you what it's all about You don't have to be rich to be my girl You don't have to be cool to rule my world Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with I just want your extra time and your kiss you got to not talk dirty, baby If you want to impress me You can't be too flirty, mama I know how to undress me I want to be your fantasy And maybe you could be mine you just leave it all up to me We can have a good time 
You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. I just want your extra time and your kiss. Women, not girls. Well, they rule my world. I said they rule my world. At your age, mama, not your shoe size. Maybe we could do the twirl. You don't have to watch Dynasty to have an attitude. You gotta leave it all up to me. My love will be your food. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. I just want your extra time and your kiss. That was a terrific a cappella cover of Prince's Kiss. This past week has seen a couple of the forum's young guns achieve amazing milestones. J.D. managed to hit his bankroll goal a whopping 120 days early. Another youngster, Booby Lover, also had an absolutely amazing month resulting in a very nice five-digit increase to the bankroll. Both of these guys are under the age of 20 and have a terrific future ahead of them. Look for an interview with one or maybe both of these regulars in the coming weeks. Maybe they'll share with us their secrets. Well, I think that about wraps up this week's show. We're still on the lookout for contributions, so fire up those mics and start laying down some tracks. Sing, talk, hum, whatever. Feedback on this week's show can be left in the TPR thread, send me a PM, or send me an email at tpradio at surfergeeks.net. Until next week, forum regular Blibbity Blabbity reminds us that your biggest edge in a horse tourney is knowing that the game just changed from Raz to 7 Stud.